Aren't you glad you were here this evening at 5 o'clock for Pew Packers? I love Pew Packers. I love to watch these young men and women talk about God, think about God, recite what they have learned in Bible class in that morning. And they are a wonderful example to all of us. And aren't you glad you were here to hear a little prayer by Cade Mayfield? I don't know every word that Cade said, but I know that God did, and it was precious. Uh, these are wonderful times, and we're thankful for all of our young people and what they mean to us. And tonight, I want to actually talk more to our young people, perhaps than to anybody else, although I hope that we all will get something out of this. We're going to be looking tonight at Psalm 101. I want you to think about the setting that many would say was, was going on as David was writing this particular psalm. Here he is, uh, he's been anointed king even before he fought the giant Goliath. He knew that the day was coming when he was going to be king over God's people. But the day has come, and imagine the weight of the moment. The weight of knowing that you now were going to be leading God's people. Not just any nation, but the nation of Israel. You were going to be leading God's people, the nation of Israel. And we know that this was a time, as he uh, took over from Saul that this was going to be a time of war, that many battles were going to be fought, that lives were going to be lost, and God's people, His nation, was going to be expanded in land area. And David was going to be at the helm. He was going to be in charge of leading God's people. He was going to be in charge of leading them militarily. He was, more importantly, going to be in charge of leading them and making sure that they continue down a road spiritually that would be pleasing to God. And as he, as he began to reign, it is said that he penned the 101st Psalm. And in doing so, he makes certain resolutions. God, this is what I'm going to strive to do. This is what I'm going to strive to be about as I take over the lead of your people. Now, here we are in the month of August. It is not the middle of the year. And yet, this is the time of year when many changes are being made. This is the time of year when young people are going back to school. And it doesn't matter if you're homeschooled, private schooled, or public schooled. This is a time of transition in a lot of young people's lives. And so as we look at the 101st Psalm and the resolutions that David is making in a big time of transition in his life, I'm especially talking to these front few pews and some pews over there and, and scattered throughout this auditorium tonight I want to talk to our young people about proper resolutions. What do we need to be about as we make these certain transitions of life? But again, uh, tonight I'm not leaving myself out. I'm not leaving anybody else out. Because I think these are proper resolutions for all of us to be thinking about and contemplating as we go through life. Since Psalm 101, the first one that David makes is concerning praise. As Brother Lynn read for us a moment ago there in Psalm 101, verse number 1, David says to God, I am going to praise you. I will sing of mercy and justice. To you, O Lord, I will sing praise. And I'm submitting to you tonight that this is the foundation of everything else that David is going to say. The foundation of everything that he did in life had to do with praising God. This is where it all starts. Once we get this foundation laid, we're going to be able to build properly as we go through the rest of our lives. 
But we must start with the, the need to see the need of praising God. What am I going to praise God for? Well, this last Tuesday evening, I had an opportunity to visit uh, Ryder and Lexi. And it was exciting to go over there. And I had, uh, When I walked in the door, I was carrying a few things in my hands. And, and so uh, with my hands full, I, I walk into their home. I walk across their living room and I begin to enter their kitchen. And Lexi says to me, uh, we went to the doctor today and we're having twins. And I've got my hands full when I receive this information. We're having twins. And, and I immediately want to drop everything, but I can't because it's going to all break. So uh, I, I go over and I place things down in order to give her a proper hug and then go over to, to uh, Limpy and, and give him a hug as well. <laughs> twins. David praises God for twins. But he doesn't praise him for actual twins. He praises him for mercy and justice. Those are the twins that David says, I will praise God for, for mercy and justice. Now, Brother Mike and I, I guess, were thinking about the same things uh, as we were putting some things together. And this morning he brought up uh, Exodus chapter 34, and I contemplated changing uh, whether or not to use this scripture tonight, but I decided it's, it's too important to, to bring up. But you need to understand the setting of Exodus chapter 34 to really grasp what's going on. And Brother Mike did a wonderful job of bringing this out, but I want you to know, as you do, that in Exodus 32, Moses has been on Mount Sinai, and he's carrying two tablets of stone that contain the law of God on them. And he walks down, and he finds this golden calf, and the people are dancing and worshiping this golden calf. And you recall what he did with those two tablets of stone, right? That immediately he took those two tablets, and he threw them to the ground, and they broke and he goes over to the people and he begins questioning what the world's going on and, and who's responsible for this and why are you doing it? He takes that golden calf and he grinds it to powder and he throws the powder on the water and he makes the people drink it. Well, in Exodus chapter 34, Moses goes back up the mountain, now with two new tablets of stone. And as you begin reading in Exodus chapter 34, what you're going to find is that Moses is not doing the talking. Moses is there and he's present with these new tablets of stone, but he's not the one talking in verses 5 through 8. What we read is God talking. That's important to point out. Because what we find in verse 5, here it is, "...the Lord descends in a cloud, and He stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord." Moses isn't talking. God is proclaiming His own name. And he says in verse 6, "...the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth." keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving the iniquity and transgressions and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generations. God says, you want to know who I am? Among those seven characteristics, He says, I'm a God of mercy. I won't give you what you deserve. That's mercy. What I am is a God of consistent compassion. I am a God of consistent goodness and kindness. 
I am a God who is consistently merciful. That is the foundation that David starts with. An understanding of who God is. Consistently merciful. He says in verse number 7, I keep mercy for thousands. I forgive iniquity and transgression and sin. I am consistently merciful. I won't give you what you deserve if if you'll obey me. If you will strive to follow me, I will not give you what you deserve. I am a merciful God. But in the same verse, he says, I will by no means, catch it, verse number 7, I will by no means clear the guilty. I'm not just going to forgive you to forgive you. That puts a responsibility on you. But God says, you need to understand who I am. I am consistently merciful. And I am consistently going to do what is right. Young people... This is the foundation upon which we have to build. You must in your mind get a picture of who God is. You must in your mind get a picture of what He's all about. You must understand that God is consistently going to do what is right. He is consistently going to be good. As much as your parents want to be consistent, they're not. I'm not. As much as your friends will tell you that they're consistent, they're not. There is only one who is consistent. And in Him, your faith must be. In Him alone must we trust. It's the foundation that David says, I will build upon, but I'm going to praise God for His consistent mercy and justice. But he says there, go back to Psalm 101 and verse 1, and you'll notice a phrase that he uses twice. Twice he says, I will sing. I will sing. I'm not singing to anybody else. I'm singing to God, he says. And I don't think David is concerned about notes. I don't think he's concerned about harmonizing. I don't think he's concerned with, with making sure that it, it, it's some, some uh, form of, of words coming out that sound decent to anybody else. But what he's saying is, God, I'm going to give you my heart. I'm going to be driven from within to praise you. This has to be the foundation upon which all of our lives build. Praising God. Understanding who He is and the fact that He alone is worthy of our praise. We've got to get this in our minds. Now, David, where are you going to go next? So he says, I'm going to resolve to praise God. All right, I'm going to resolve as I go through life to be praising God in everything that I do. He is worthy of my praise. He alone is worthy of my praise. And so everything I do is going to be about praising God. Look at verse 2. Did I tell you that there are five of these? You'll know when I'm about done, okay? I will strive to praise God. I'm going to resolve to do that in my life. I will, number two, strive and resolve to walk with integrity. You see those words of David, right? In verse number 2, I will behave wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when will you come to me? I will walk within what? My house in a perfect way. I'm going to just make this point, and I think it's really important for us to get. 
you can be who you're going to be around whoever you want to be around, and you can behave yourself in a different way around different and various groups. But what David is saying is, I'm going to be one who is going to behave wisely even when I am in my house. You know, when I'm by myself, when no one else is around, when I can let my hair down and just be who I am, David says that is when I want to be perfect. That's when I want to be defined. That's when I really want to be who I am. As a, as a leader in your home, gentlemen, your family knows who you are by who you are at home. You can fool anybody outside of home. You can fool people when you come to this building, and you can be someone else when you go to work, but really who you are, your, your kids will tell you who you are. Mom, same for you. Your grandkids know who, know who you are, really. But who are you, really? This talking tonight about character. Strive to be the same, no matter where you are. That's your character. I wonder if your friends at school came to see you in this building. Would they see somebody that they don't see regularly? Are they looking into the eyes of somebody they don't know? Or are you the same no matter where you are? That's not an easy thing to do, but that is something to strive for. It's called character. This is who I am no matter where I am. This is who I am whether mom and dad are watching. This is who I am no matter if if my Bible class teacher is watching. This is who I am. It's my character. In Psalm 26, David says, I'll tell you what I'm trying to do. And he's talking to God in Psalm 26. And God is the knower of all things. And so he says to God something very important. In Psalm 26, in verse 1, he says, Vindicate me, O Lord, for I have walked in my integrity, my character. This is who I am. I have trusted in the Lord. I shall not slip. Examine me, O Lord, and prove me. Try my mind and my heart. In verse 11, But as for me, I will walk in my integrity. Redeem me and be merciful to me. My foot stands in an even place. In the congregations, I will bless the Lord. I like that idea, that concept of what he says. My feet stand in even places. Right? I'm not trying to be unbalanced. I'm not trying to be somebody over here and somebody else over there. But my feet are grounded right here. This is who I am. I'm consistent in who I am. Young people, that's who we're striving to be. I will walk with integrity. I'm going to be consistent before God. Why? Because I praise Him. I'm striving to be like Him. I'm striving to be pleasing to Him. I really don't care how anybody else feels about it. I'm striving to be pleasing to God. And if that's what I'm striving to do, then everything else will take care of itself. But I'm going to walk with integrity. And that's really important for us to get. Number three. I will set nothing worthless before my eyes. That's verse number three. I will set nothing wicked before my eyes. I hate the work of those who fall away. It shall not cling to me, he says. I will set nothing wicked or worthless in front of my eyes. I simply am not going to do it. And so, again, this is very important for us to understand. Please, read those words. What I'm going to do is see my life as a way to display Jesus 
to the rest of the world. That's what I'm doing, you see. And how I live my life, what I'm really trying to do is to display Jesus to the rest of the world. And because I'm simply striving to display Jesus to the rest of the world, I'm not going to put anything in front of my eyes that I do not need to see. I will not waste my time by putting worthless things in front of my eyes. If you don't need to be watching it, then stop it. You don't have to. You don't have to keep up with everybody else, all right? Just because everybody else might be watching it doesn't mean that you need to be watching it. I'm going to set nothing worthless in front of my eyes. Be more concerned. Listen to me, please. Not just young people. Be more concerned about checking your heart's status in the eyes of God by being in His Word. Be more concerned with the status of your heart than you are the status of your Facebook page or Instagram or Snapchat or whatever it is you're involved in. Be more interested in the status of your heart. I'm not going to set anything worthless or wicked before my eyes. It really leads itself into what Job had to say in Job 31 and verse 1, where he simply said, I will make a covenant with my eyes. I'm not going to put anything in front of my eyes that, that, that don't belong, all right, that aren't pleasing to God. I'm not going to do that. And then very closely akin to that is number four, and that is David says, I'm going to strive for purity. How about that? <laughs> when we talk about New Year's resolutions, here's almost middle of the year resolutions. All right? I'm going to strive for purity. How are you doing with that? How are you doing with that? I'm going to strive to be pure. David says, A perverse heart shall depart from me. I will not know wickedness. I want to be ignorant when it comes to things that are sinful. I think that's such an interesting way of David putting it. I want to be ignorant of wickedness. And so if there's something that's sinful, you know, if all my buddies, if all my friends are talking about something that I know isn't right, it's okay if I don't know about it. It's okay. It's okay if I'm not up on all of the latest shows. It's okay if I don't go and see the latest movie because I don't need to see the latest movie. You see, I'm striving for purity. And so if they're going to make fun of me for not knowing, I really don't care. I want to be ignorant of wickedness. I don't want to know about it. I just don't care to know about it. Adults, isn't that a wonderful thought? I want to be ignorant when it comes to sin. I don't care if I know about it. I don't care if I don't know about it. I want to keep it away from me. I just want to be ignorant of wickedness. I don't want to know it. I don't want to be connected with it. I don't want it near me. I don't want to be anywhere close to it. And so I will be ignorant of wickedness because I am striving for purity. It's very important for us to keep in mind. Now, to a young preacher in 1 Timothy chapter 4, and we'll turn over there and read this very briefly because I want you to to hear it. If you have your Bible, I want you to see where it is on the page of your copy. I want you to mark it. I want you to remember where it is. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 12. Paul's writing to a a young guy. And he says to Timothy, he says, Let no one 
despise your youth. That is, don't let people look down on you because you're young. Or don't think that because you're young that you don't have anything to offer. He says, let no one despise your youth. But he says, you be an example to the believers in word, what you say, in conduct, what you do, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. You be an example in purity. You don't join impurity. You show them what God desires, and you show them purity. You show them what it means to be pure. And sing often, won't you? Pure in heart, O God. Next line, help me to be pure in heart. I'm striving for purity. David says, Lord, that's what I'm going to be about. As I begin this new phase of life, I'm going to strive for purity. And finally, we come to resolution number five, where David says, I will love the faithful and I will despise evil. Verse six says, my eyes shall be on the faithful of the land that they may dwell with me. He who walks in a perfect way, he shall serve me. He who works deceit shall not dwell within my house. He who tells lies shall not continue in my presence. Early I will destroy all the wicked of the land that I may cut off all the evildoers from the city of the Lord. You see, David is striving to keep things pure. He's striving to be right in the eyes of God. He has a big responsibility. Not unlike you. And not unlike me. I will love those who are faithful. Please, be close to those who are going to help you be close to God. Isn't that true for all of us? My closest friends, those that I hold dearest to me, are going to be those who are going to help me get to heaven. Those who are going to help me to be closest to God, those are the ones that I want to be closest to. Why would I desire to be close to somebody who's not going to help me get to heaven? I don't want to be closest to them. I want to be closest to those who are going to help me be close to God. David says, I will not tolerate deceit. I will not tolerate lies. Is that a rule in your home? Is that a rule in your life? I'm not going to tolerate deceit. Don't you try to lie to me. It's not going to be tolerated. All of this is built on the foundation of who God is. He is worthy of our praise. And we need to understand that David says, this is what I'm going to resolve to do. I am going to resolve to be more like God. And I'm going to adopt His character and make it my own. God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. Five resolutions. I'm going to praise God for His mercy and justice. And he talks about purity. He talks about behaving wisely, walking in integrity. He talks about all of these things. I'm not going to put anything before my eyes that don't belong. I'm going to love the faithful. I'm going to hate the evil. I'm going to be pure. How'd David do? He didn't do it, did he? You see, he, he made resolutions. And just like me, 
He didn't always keep them. Now, what do you do when you make resolutions and you don't keep them? What did David do? Did he throw his hands up and say, well, I quit. Messed up. Can't do it. I just can't live a pure life. I just can't do this. What did David do? What should I do? What should you do? I'm telling you, these are resolutions to make. These are resolutions to work for. But what do we do when we sin? What do we do when we can't keep it? The conclusion is, we resolve to follow Christ. That's it. Aren't you thankful that at the end of the day, David isn't your standard? And neither am I. Jesus is. I'm going to strive to pattern my life after Jesus. He is the ultimate example. This is what I need to keep in mind. That when Jesus came, Jesus provided a perfect example. He walked in integrity, right? He was the same no matter where He was. That Jesus was one who put nothing wicked in front of His eyes. He was one who walked in purity. Jesus is one who strived to do uh, what was right and loving the faithful and despising what, what was evil. And so I will resolve to follow Jesus. This much I know. Maybe. I'm going to praise God for His mercy and His justice. You say, David... You had great intentions, but you fell. And what am I going to do with that? I'll tell you what I can do. I turn over to the example of David in Psalm 51. And this is where I conclude tonight. And I want you to see what happens. The biggest fall in David's life was sinning with a woman named Bathsheba. And after he committed that sin with Bathsheba, it was impure, it was wicked put in front of his eyes, it was a time where his integrity plummeted, and he he displayed a character that was anti-God and full of sin. But it goes back to a foundation that was laid. And what does he say? In Psalm 51, he says, Have... Mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned, and done this evil in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak, and blameless when you judge. Brethren and friends and young people, it all goes back to this foundation that we must lay and understanding who God is. A God who is consistently good, who is consistent in His mercy and consistently does what is right. And so when I fall, He is there to pick me up 
And that's what this is about. And so please, as you begin this chapter of your life, maybe you're returning to a a different school building. Maybe you're going to school for the first time. Maybe you're getting ready to start back. Maybe you're going to be around people uh, in the near future that you've not been around. Maybe you've got uh, new experiences that are coming up. Maybe you're just going through life and you find yourself going through life. Resolve to praise. I will praise God for consistently doing what is right, consistently being good. And I will resolve to be right with Him to praise and to please. Tonight, as a Christian, perhaps you're failing to be pleasing at this moment. Perhaps you see that that you're not right with God and whatever you're doing. Won't you, like David, repent of such? Won't you make your life right with God once again? Won't you beg for His forgiveness and understand that because of Jesus, you can have it again? Tonight, my friend, if you're not a Christian, understand who God is. Understand that He will forgive you if you will come to Him in obedience. Will you be pleasing to God tonight and respond to the invitation? Believing that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, coming to Him, willing to repent of sin in your life, to confess His name, to be immersed in the waters of baptism, to have your sins washed away. Resolve tonight to begin this walk of praising and pleasing God. And if we can help you in any way, then won't you come while together we stand and while we sing.